Hey everyone, thank you for coming back. I really appreciate it. Um, I'm going to open up in prayer, and, and um, I'm, I've been asked to just share a t a t 10 minutes of, of, of some encouragement for, for, for you, and then following that, I'm going to turn it over, and, and the rest of the agenda will roll out um, as, as Christina's outlined. Okay? So let me just open us in prayer. Father, we thank you for the privilege we get to gather as your people to worship, and we get to work together to bring up our children in, uh, in the fear and instruction of the Lord. This is an awesome privilege, Lord, and, and we need each other to do it. We are not meant to just be doing this on our own. Certainly parents, we have this, this, uh, this burden, to, this privilege, this, this blessing to, to be on the front lines of discipling our kids, but we don't want to do it on our own. We want to be part of a community that does it together. And we thank you for this children's ministry that, uh, that plays such a large role in the discipling of children. And so, Lord, as I share just a couple words of encouragement, I pray that this would be received um, as it's intended. would be received not to, to lay on more tasks and the burden of, 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 of more to do, but instead, Lord, that it would be received as the, the kind, uh, loving urgings of our Lord who wants to help us to carry out the mission that he's given us to carry out. And so I, I pray for your blessing upon this time. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, guys, um, just, just a few minutes I wanted to share with you. Um, the title of what I'm sharing this morning is uh, Teaching Hearts, Preparing Hearts. Teaching Hearts, Preparing Hearts. And, and here's why it's called that. One, I want to speak um, to you as teachers in um, New Hope Kids, in the, in the New Hope Children's Ministry, but I also want to speak to um, those of you who are parents as well. And, and I want to start just by, by talking to teachers in particular. If you're a, a New Hope children's teacher, you know this, but you are not a babysitter. Right? What you're doing has eternal value. When you spend time with these children around the Word of God, the fact, the fact is that you're, the, the, the very task that you're engaged in has cosmic eternal significance, and it pleases God. So, so the fact that a six-year-old or a seven-year-old child gets to hear the gospel and then talk about it and then sing about it and ask questions, that is grand and it's holy and it pleases God more than I think any of us really knows. So teaching hearts, preparing hearts. Why are we calling it that? First, let's think about what it means to teach hearts. You, as teachers, whether you're a parent in the home or you're a teacher in New Hope Kids, you are not just downloading information to little brains. You're not just passing on knowledge. The goal, ultimately, is a changed heart. The goal is for these children that we've been entrusted with to have hearts that love Jesus. And, and of course, we can't engineer that. I can't fabricate love for Jesus in the heart of a child any more than I can fabricate it in my own heart. But what we can do is this. We can present Jesus Christ. We can display him. We can share with our kids about him. Who he is and what he has said and the great works that he has done. All of that we have. It's right here in the word of God and it's in our experiences and our testimonies and all of that we can share. So I want to I share with you two passages that will show that what you are doing is not simply education, although it is that. It's not just education, it's spiritual formation. It's spiritual formation. Listen to this passage. I think both of them will be familiar to you. Psalm 78. 
Starting verse 2, it says this, I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old, things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us. Listen to what he says in verse 4. We will not hide them from their children, but tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. Think about the wonders that God has done that you have experienced personally and the chance that you get to now pass that on to the next generation. And of all those wonders that God has done, think about this one, the crowning achievement, the cross itself. What God has done on the cross and then the resurrection and all that that means. And you get to pass that on to the next generation. Listen to verse 5. He says, He established, that is, God established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which He commanded our fathers, He commanded our fathers to teach to their children that the next generation might know them. See, there is a, we don't want to know things about God. We have to know things about God. But listen, the children yet unborn and arise and tell them to their children so that, it's not just so that might know about God. Listen to what the goal is so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. This is what we want for our kids, right? That they would set their hope in God, not just know facts about him, and that they would keep his commandments and that they would not forget what he has done. It's all about the heart. That's what we're after. We're not just trying to teach minds, we're trying to teach hearts. Listen, one more passage and we'll move on. Deuteronomy 6, it says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you, God says, shall be on your heart and you shall teach them diligently to your children. This is what you're doing every time you teach your kids the gospel and you do it diligently. You're engaging in obedience to this passage. Every time that you work hard to prepare and to sit in there with, these, with children that some of whom are not yours, in order to disciple them in classrooms here in this building, you are doing this. You are teaching diligently what God has called you to teach diligently. And what's the goal? Not so, not so that they would have encyclopedic knowledge of the Bible, although that's wonderful. Really? It's so that they will love the Lord their God with all their heart, with all their soul, with all their might. That's the goal, the heart, right? So here's where, here's where we get to the second part of the title. The first part of the title says teaching hearts. The second part says preparing hearts. So what does it mean to prepare hearts? Here's the thing. Because all of this that we've been talking about is about teaching hearts, not just minds, it means that if we're going to engage in this kind of heart ministry, we need to prepare our kids' hearts, and we need to prepare our hearts. We need to prepare the kids' hearts to receive truth. We need to prepare our hearts to engage in this kind of heart ministry. So how do we prepare? How do we prepare the hearts of the kids? How do we prepare our own hearts? Maybe there are many ways that come to mind for you, practices that you engage in to prepare yourself for the task of teaching the hearts of kids. But I want to give you just four that I want to run through, that I, that, I, that I want to offer to you, and I want to invite you. I want to ask you to please commit to these practices. One, one, pray for the kids and yourselves as teachers. Pray for the kids that have been entrusted to you in classrooms and for yourselves as teachers. Pray for the kids that have been entrusted to you and your families and for yourself as their disciple or as their teacher. Now, I know none of you is like, wow, that's so insightful. Rob, I can see, I can see why you're the pastor. That's, that's clearly amazing. Nothing surprising, right? Pray for them. But the reason I mention it is because I think we lose sight of this. All ministry begins with prayer. 
All ministry begins with prayer. And this, and I don't just mean the kind of prayer like, hey, let's open up in prayer, right? Not that kind of, sometimes we treat prayer as if it's kind of like a starting gun, you know? Like we're all sitting here, okay, let's start it off with a starting gun. Someone pray, bang, now we can start the meeting. That's not the kind of prayer I'm talking about. I'm talking about bringing the children that have been entrusted to you before the Lord. I'm talking about bringing your own heart before the Lord. This is one of the things that preaching weekly here for me has done wonders for my, for my prayer life. Um, I used to preach less frequently. I do teaching in other areas, but preaching to a congregation that I'm still getting to know has done wonders for my prayer life. Here's why. Because as I get up here to pray, I feel weakness. I feel dependent. I've never felt more dependent on the Holy Spirit than I, I do at this phase in my life. And so what does that do? That drives me to say, Lord, you speak to these people. Just use me, but you speak to these people. And I'm, I'm encouraging you to have the same mindset when you step into a classroom with a bunch of kids. To say, Lord, these, these children belong to you. Use me as a vessel to speak truth to them. Whether you feel weak or not. Sometimes maybe you feel weak. Sometimes you don't. Sometimes like, I got this. I know this lesson like the back of my hand. I can get in there and just knock this out of the park. Maybe you feel like that. Whether, whether you feel weak or not, you are, you are weak. And you, we cannot, like I said, fabricate, manufacture love for Jesus in the hearts of children or ourselves. So let's go to the Lord and prepare by praying. Okay? So when you commit to teach in New Hope Kids, I want you to see it as this. Part of that commitment is a commitment to pray for these children and pray for your ability to teach these children. Okay? Second thing. Second thing. Allow time for prayerful, careful prep for each class. This is tough, man. This is so tough because we're, we're busy and it's hard. But, but I want to ask you to commit to this. Allow sufficient time for you to prayerfully and carefully get ready for each class. It's easy to wing it, like I said before, or, or to hurriedly prepare at the last minute because the, the troubles of life are manifold, right? And the things that pile up, maybe those weeks when you're scheduled to teach, those are the weeks that actually get more busy and you find yourself kind of just trying to find some time to be able to, listen, commit to this, please. Commit to set aside some time to prepare. We must do it. We must do it. Um, when, I used to, when I used to teach at, the, at a university, there were a couple classes that I was very used to teaching. One of them was this intro class. It was called Intro to Linguistics. And I felt so, at first, when I first started teaching this class, I would prepare so hard. I would be just poring over books and comparing them to other books, looking at my old notes from when I was in grad school, looking at the most recent research. I'm trying to figure out how can I best serve these, these students. Fast forward, seven, eight, nine years, I feel pretty confident. And it was very easy for me to be like, oh, I got class in 10 minutes, all right, where are my papers, where's my stuff? Open up the file on my iPad, waltz in, and just wing it. And honestly, I don't know if they could tell the difference. I could tell the difference, though. I could tell the difference. You just wing it, because you're used to it. I'm asking us to never feel so confident in our own ability that we do that, but instead say, because these are internal truths that we're dealing with, these simple lessons are eternal truths. And because the God whom we're trying to present to these children is a holy, infinitely powerful God, let's, let's dedicate the time necessary and value this enough. Because we're dealing in life-changing truths, let's dedicate the time necessary to prepare. Okay? I think that means doing it, um, um, I don't know what it looks like for you. Maybe it looks like doing it early in the week. 
Maybe it looks like doing it Sunday morning, but I would encourage you not to do it after you've arrived here in this, in this, in this building. And I don't say that from a place of judgment. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm just encouraging you to do that. And you know, you know what your schedule's like, and you know when it's just you're up against the wall and you don't have any time to prepare. That's, that's, we don't want to judge anyone for that. I just want to encourage you to be, to be prayerful and careful to dedicate as much time as possible. One of the reasons I want to say this is because the time that you spend at home pouring over and praying over the material that you're then going to present to the children in class, you're allowing, if you're doing it prayerfully and with time, you're allowing it to actually affect your own heart. You're allowing it to actually change you. You are growing in your love for Jesus as you read Kids Desiring God material. And then you come in here and you love Jesus more and you're more prepared to speak of this Jesus to these children. Okay? Thirdly, almost done, thirdly, Make the most of the gathering by worshiping God when we get together here. I want to invite you to do that too. Um, I, I want to, I'll speak from my own personal experience. Um, sometimes I come in here on a, on a Sunday afternoon now or sometimes Sunday morning and, I'm, and I've been pouring over this passage and I've been praying over it and I'm ready to, um, I, want to I want to open my mouth and deliver God's word. I'm just, I'm just like eager to do that, you know? But then I'm sitting and someone reads something from up here, or someone says something in the pews, or something is sung as Gene or Jenny, or someone is leading us and saying, and it changes my perspective. All of a sudden, the truth that I was so set on delivering has somehow taken on a different shade of meaning. Something has affected me as we worship God, and my perspective changes, and that ends up influencing the way that the Word of God is preached. I think that's true for all of us. And I think that if we give ourselves to worship God together, sit here, listen to the call to worship, listen to the scripture reading, sing together, pray together, we do all that, and it changes us. So that when we get into the room, into the classroom with the kids, and we sit down to teach, our hearts have been stirred up. And we're going to teach differently. That's simple. So take advantage of this chance to worship God on those days that you are teaching. Don't see those days of teaching as days of, I don't have time to worship today, I'm teaching the kids. No, worship God and then teach the kids. That's what I want to invite you into. Lastly, and then I'll stop, I want you to encourage kids to worship God together here too. Let's invite our children to worship God together here too. And this goes especially for parents. I know there are challenges in this. Sometimes my kids, they're sitting next to me, and I can, I can tell that they're, they're, they're engaged, they're excited to be here worshiping. Um, that's not the majority of the time. Most of the time they're thinking about what they're going to do as soon as they see their friends when they leave here. Or they're thinking about what they were doing before they walked in. Or their, their legs are tired. My, my kids' legs never get tired except when they're standing here for some reason. They can run like a marathon daily and they stand here to sing a song like, my legs, oh, I need to sit down. <laughs> really? So it's, I know it's an upward battle. But nevertheless, I'm saying let's welcome our kids and say, look, we are worshiping God together. Mom and dad actually love this. And we want you to love this too. Let's invite them into that. The aim, ultimately, is that our children would catch the passion for worshiping God by watching mom and dad enjoy God week after week. That's what we want for our kids. I mean, that sounds idealistic, but I think over time, listen to what John Piper says. He says, what would be the impact if for 12 years the children saw a dad with his face in his hands praying during the prelude to worship? What would be the impact if they saw mom and dad be beaming with joy and singing the praise of God? Just think of it. 
Just think of it. Why wouldn't parents be jealous? Listen, why wouldn't parents be jealous to model for their children the tremendous value that we put on joyful reverence in the presence of an almighty God? So I want to encourage us to model that for our kids. Bring them into it. That's it. That's all I want to share with you. Those four things. If you want me to share this document with you, I can share it with you. If you don't remember what I shared, if you didn't take notes. I know this is a tough task, um, but we are here to support one another in this. We are here um, not to judge, but to help one another. But let's commit to do our best in dependence on the Holy Spirit for the sake of these precious kids, uh, for the sake of the church, and for the glory of God.